warm welcome to all who have faith in Christ Jesus, the Son of our Creator God, who allows us to come and worship before God in assurance, peace, and security. As we sing, read, and listen, may we be filled with a sense of joy and awe at the work of God in our lives, and may He fill us with love for one another and our world. Praise be to God. Amen. Amen. Friends in Christ, let us draw near to God our Father with a true heart to confess our sins and ask him in the name of Lord Jesus Christ to forgive us. Most merciful God, we confess that we have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed, but we have done, but what we have left undone. We have not loved you with all our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We are truly sorry and we humbly repent. For the sake of our dear Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us and forgive us that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways. To the glory of your name, amen. May the Father of all mercies cleanse us from our sins and restore in his image to the praise and glory of his name through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. amen. Blessed is the Lord, for he has heard the voice of our prayer. Therefore, shall all hearts dance for joy in our song will be praised our God. In the first reading from Isaiah, uh, 49, 8 to 13. This is what the Lord says. In the time of my favor, I will answer you. And in the day of salvation, I will help you. I will keep you and I will make you to be a covenant for the people to restore the land and to reassign its desolate inheritances. To say to the captives, come out. And to those in darkness, be free. There will be they will feed beside the roads and find pasture in every barren hill. They will find neither hung, hunger nor thirst, nor will the desert heat or the sun beat down on them. He who has compassion on them will guide them and lead them beside springs of water. I will turn all my mountains into roads and my highways will be raised up. See, they will come from afar, some from the north, some from the west, and some from the region of Aswan. Shout for joy, you heavens, rejoice, you earth, burst into song, you mountains, for the Lord comforts his people and will have compassion on his afflicted ones. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Second reading from 2 Corinthians 6, 1 to 13. As God's co-workers, we urge you not to receive God's grace in vain, for he says, in the time of my favour, I heard you, and in the day of salvation, I helped you. I will tell you now, is the time of God's favour, now is the day of salvation. We put no stumbling block in anyone's path, so that our ministry will not be discredited. Rather, as servants of God, we commend ourselves in every way. In great endurance, in troubles, hardships, and distresses, in beatings, imprisonments, and riots, in hard work, sleepless nights, and hunger, in purity, understanding, patience, and kindness, in the Holy Spirit, and in sincere love, in truthful speech, and in the power of God, with weapons of righteousness in the right hand and in the left, through glory and dishonour, bad report and good report, genuine yet regarded as impostors, known yet regarded as unknown, 
dying and yet we live on, beaten and not yet killed, sorrowful yet always rejoicing, poor yet making many rich, having nothing and yet possessing everything. We have spoken freely to you, Corinthians, and open wide our hearts to you. We are not withholding our affection from you, but you are withholding yours from us. As a fair exchange, I speak to you as my children. Open wide your hearts also. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. God. Father, we pray that that you would open our hearts to receive your word today. We pray that your spirit would come upon us mightily and that our hearts would be changed, our perspectives moved back towards Christ. We ask these things in your name. Amen. There's going to be times when our faith is called into question. Not necessarily if we have faith, but what it's doing in us. What's God's power doing in you today, this week, maybe this month, maybe the last nine months? What's God's power doing in you, and how can you share that with other people, non-Christians and even Christians alike? Because there's times when our faith's called into question. It's not necessarily if we have it or not, but what it's doing in us. These two readings this morning from Isaiah 49 and from 2 Corinthians 6, they're two different scenarios. The first one in Isaiah 49 is one of captivity, one of exile. The, the Jews are wondering, where is God? Why hasn't he showed up? We're in exile, for goodness sakes. He's supposed to be our God. He's supposed to stand up for us. And the other in 2 Corinthians 6 Paul is writing the Corinthians, and at first glance, if you were to, just to skim through 2 Corinthians, Paul consistently raises the issue of money. Not that he wants their money, but he wants the Corinthians to live out their life, live out their faith in a generous way towards people, namely the Macedonians who, had, who have given the Corinthians money when they needed it. Two very different scenarios, two very different contexts, but they both relate to us now. In verse 1 of 2 Corinthians chapter 6, Paul says, As God's fellow workers, we urge you not to receive God's grace in vain. To receive is to take it on, it's to accept it, it's to, it's to bring it into one's life. And he says, don't take on God's grace or God's favor or God's salvation in vain, in an empty or worthless way. That how we use and think about and participate in the gospel reveals what we actually think about it, what it's doing in us, what God's power is doing in you and in me today, this week, this month. Because to take it on in vain means that, that it just is maybe by name. I'm a Christian. I believe this. But is it actually producing something? Is it actually doing something inside of us to cause us to think differently, to cause us to act differently? So in verse 2, Paul cites Isaiah 49. 
in relation to taking on God's grace in vain. He says, in the time of my favor, I heard you. This is God speaking. In the day of salvation, I helped you. You see, the, the, the Jews were in captivity. They were, they were stubborn. They were hopeless. They consistently failed God. They consistently did not live up to what they promised to do when they made this covenant with God on Mount Sinai. Generation after generation turned their back on God and went after other idols. They went after other nations. They, they, they pursued pleasure. They pursued all, these, all kinds of things other than God. You see, they took their faith on in vain. A lot of them did. But God says, in the, day of fa- in the day of my favor, I heard you. In the day of salvation, I helped you. For us, what this means is what God is doing is happening now, not just in some future event. You see, the Jews thought, well, God's only with us when we're in Israel, when we're in the right place. God must not be with us because we're in a difficult place. We're in exile. What's God doing in you? You may not be in exile in Babylon, but you may be in a tough place right now thinking, oh, God doesn't, isn't listening until the future of, of, of our salvation or, or when we're out of this mess, when we're, when we're back to work, when we're, when we're back with, with money that we can spend or when we're back with our relatives or our friends or back to our, our hobbies. You see what God is doing in you right now. What is God doing in you right now? And how can you share that with other people? Because he says the day of salvation is today. What God is doing is happening right now. It's not just in some future event. And, and, and Paul reads this passage that was given to the Israelites in captivity, and he's interpreted it in, in, in the present tense at his time in the first century. And he says, in ver- he says, now is the time of God's favor. Now is the day of salvation. Not just when we get saved in the future from this, this troubled world. Not just in the past when, when we accept or, or say that we have faith in Christ. But what he's doing right now is the day of his favor. You see, God is doing something in us. And it's going to call our... Call our faith into question, not necessarily that whether we have faith or not, but what is it doing in us? Because Paul says now is that day. What we're experiencing now reflects our standing with God. Now, most people think what I'm experiencing now reflects what God thinks of me. Like if I'm in a difficult place, God must not be with us. That's the Jewish perspective. When we're in exile, God must not love us, but that's different. What we're experiencing now is a reflection of where we are with God, like a mirror. How we speak to people, whether we're generous, whether we have joy, whether we have peace, whether we're worrying, whether we're scared, whether we're angry or bitter, it reflects where we are with God. You see, now is the day day of God's favor. God is wanting to do something in all of us, you and me, and it's us It's up to us to catch ourselves sometimes and to think about this. It's like a mirror. Our experiences expose us. It puts us up in front of the mirror and we have to reconcile with what we see. And if what we see is not what we want, if we're not in a place where we want, it's going to come out of us. 
And how we respond to that reveals where we are with God. See, the Jews in, in, in chapter 49 of Isaiah, this passage that Paul cites, they say, the Lord has forsaken me. That's a quote from verse 14. God has forsaken me. And yet we see in verse 3 of 2 Corinthians 6, Paul's talking about how he lives his life no matter what happens. He lives it so that people might see the grace of God in him. Paul's perspective is totally different than the Jews. Listen to what he says. Verse 3, he says, We put no stumbling block, no hindrance in anyone's path so that our ministry will not be discredited. What Paul is saying is that he has chosen to follow Jesus and to be a missionary to the Gentiles, and yet he doesn't say or do anything that causes the Gentiles to think differently about God or Jesus or about the gospel. He works hard without pay. He says he becomes all things that all people might see the work of Christ or the gospel. He goes beyond his circumstances to not just share with the Gentiles, but to encourage the Corinthians in their faith. See, something happened many times in Paul's ministry that called his faith into question. Not that he had faith. He had faith. But what was it doing in him? What was God's power doing in Paul? And how can he share that? Well, he says... He says in verse 4, rather we commend ourselves, or, or this makes it sound like he's, he's patting himself on the back, but this actually means that he shows or demonstrates, he brings out his actions, commend what he says. So he says, we commend ourselves in every way, that his actions and his ministry actually prove what he thinks about God. It, it demonstrates what God is doing in him. It's not just... It's not just he serves and therefore uh, people see that he loves God, but it's his circumstances and the way that he lives that demonstrate his, his perspective and his stance and his reliance on God. Listen to these things. There's a whole list. This is how we commend ourselves in every way, with endurance, in hardship, in troubles, in distress, in beatings, in imprisonments in riots, in hard work. How does Paul demonstrate what God is doing in him? How to other people? And how does he know in his own heart that God is moving in his life? He sees all these terrible things happening, and yet he somehow finds joy. He somehow finds God's power moving in his life. Miraculously, he has peace. Miraculously, he has joy. It's through God's power. He says that the way he knows where he is with God is when he is standing in front of the mirror of the hardships of life, which he's chosen to enter into as a missionary to the Gentiles. He sees God, his hand moving in sleepless nights and in hunger. When people experience these difficult times like Paul, People notice, not just non-believers, but also believers. When we see each other suffer and handle it in a way that's responsible and compassionate and with incredible hope, 
and with even love for other people when we ought in our flesh to respond in a way that's ugly and nasty. People notice. There's no place for complaining in the life of the Christian. Paul knew this more than anybody. If anyone had reason to complain, it was Paul and Jesus. And on paper, in that order, Jesus suffered Jesus suffered so much for us on the cross, but it was a short experience. Now, I know this sounds, this sounds blasphemous, but think about, that, about Paul's life. Paul suffered his entire life. He was beat. He was put in prison. His friends hated him. His family hated him. His own church sometimes hated him. He was constantly in distress. He was constantly working to pay for himself so he could give his money away to other people. For decades, sleepless nights, hunger. But notice what he says in verse 6 and onwards. Despite, he's not complaining. He's telling them what he's experienced. But he starts talking about other things. He starts talking about what God is doing in him. And he's passing it on to these friends of his who were Christians. He says, impurity, understanding, patience, kindness, sincere love, for his enemies, in truthful speech, in the power of God. He sees that these things are happening in his life. When, when, when we are in a hard place, we want comfort. We want to seek relief. We want some type of release, which, which often allows us to get caught up in things that cause us to not be pure. That causes defilement. We fall into sin because when we seek things that are sinful... We seek things that are pleasing to us. But Paul says, In purity, in the midst of all my difficulties, I find that there's hope in my purity because God's moving in me, in my understanding of Jesus. When I start to experience patience and kindness and love for other people, I sense the very power of God in my life. I ask you today, what's God's power doing in you? Because these times, these times that we're experiencing, they're going to call us into question. Not necessarily if we have, maybe it is calling into question if you have faith. But if you can stop and say, no, I genuinely have faith in God. I, I genuinely trust the gospel for my salvation. Then the next question is, what is it doing in you? What's it doing in me? Is the power of God moving in our life? He says, he says in verse 7, he has a weapon of righteousness in the left hand and a, and, a, and a weapon of righteousness in the right hand, which means he's actively fighting against darkness. He's not passively waiting for it to end. He's not st- sitting back maybe in his house or his tent, wherever he's staying, and thinking, man, I hope all these hardships go away. I hope my distress goes away. I hope people will stop beating me when I go and preach the gospel. I hope that I'm not thrown in prison. Or maybe when he's writing from prison, he's not thinking, oh, I just hope that I get out of prison. He's actively fighting against what's happening. Not with his fists, not with actual sword and club, but spiritual fighting. He's actively seeking God about his scenarios And he's questioning what God is doing in him while he's still stuck in his hard place. You see, the Jews were stuck in that captivity and they were constantly questioning why they were there. And they missed the reason why they were there. 
The reason for their captivity was to bring them back to God, to repent for what they had done, to see the power of God moving in their life, that God brought them out of Egypt, that God made a covenant with them even though they were sinful and and went against him and were weak. See, the perspective of the Jews was, I can't trust God until I actually see him working it in my favor and taking me out of the scenarios that I think are difficult. Paul's perspective was totally different. He actively fought in prayer, in the Spirit, in every situation. Now, look what he says in verse 8. He's talking about what it looks like on the outside in his life compared to what's happening inside his heart. He says, this is, he's, he's talking about when he seeks the power of God, when he sees the power of God moving in his life. He says, when we're dishonored, when people talk down to me, but when we receive glory from God, when there's a good report about what we're doing and a bad report, no matter what feedback we get, we're still fighting for our joy and our peace in the gospel. When people think that we're fake, And when people think that we're imposters, he says in verse 8, but when we're really genuine on the inside, when people think that that, that what we're doing is must just be for show, but we know deep inside our hearts that what we're doing is legitimate, when the world does not know us, verse 9, when we're unknown, when we're insignificant, but we're known by God, when it feels like we're dying, when it feels like everything that we're doing is decaying, but we live in the spirit because of what God says. When we're beaten almost to death, but we're not killed by the grace of God. Verse 10, when we're sorrowful, and that's normal. It's, it's normal and it's, I think there's a place for us to be sorrowful in the world, whether things are happening to us or whether things are happening to other people around us. But he says, yet yeah, we're rejoicing. Even though the circumstances are sorrow, bring sorrow, the reality of God moving in his life, of changing his heart, the miraculous power of him having patience and joy in the midst of these things, he says he rejoices. And even though he's poor, according to the world standards, he doesn't have money or wealth, he says he's making others rich, which has nothing to do with money. It has to do with him sharing this with his friends, with other people that, that he's been called to minister to. And he ends verse 10 by saying, even though we have nothing, we possess everything. What is he talking about? He's not talking about his circumstances. He's not talking about his house or his money or his job or his friends. He's talking about the eternal riches that God has given him, which God says is happening today. Of course, it's going to happen in the future when when the world ends and we are called into God's presence in heaven. But our faith is going to be called into question. First, whether we have it or not, of course, do you actually have faith? But if you do have faith, what is it doing in you? What is God's power doing in you? What's God's power doing in me? Do I have this perspective as Paul? We can think, well, what if we were put in the position of Paul? But let's think about it in our position today on January 24th, 2021. What is our situation today? Do we have this perspective? And if we don't, why not? Verse 11, he says, we opened our hearts to you. He's getting back to this context 
his context of 2 Corinthians 6. He's writing the Corinthians and saying, we've given you freely. We've given you money. We've given you encouragement. We've, we've supported you. We love you, but you're withholding affection from us. We, we didn't hold back when it came to caring for you, but you're holding back when it comes to caring for us. He's not being selfish, but what he is saying is, is that he wants to share what he's experiencing in God. It's not just this personal thing that he's keeping to himself. Paul is so motivated by what he's been given. But more importantly, he's motivated by what God is doing in his life. Paul used to be angry. Paul used to be violent. Paul used to be proud, arrogant. And now look at him. He's traveling to people who hate him often, who beat him, who throw him into prison, who cause riots. He's hungry. He's given up his comfort. And yet he sees that he is pure in his life, that he gains understanding, that he has patience, <laughs> that he's kind, that he has sincere affection and love for people. And he says it came from truthful speech and the power of God. That truthful speech was when Jesus came to him and said, this is the true way. This is what I'm about. And yes, when he heard that, it didn't, it didn't make sense to him. He went blind and he was, he was unsure of what that was in the book of Acts. And then suddenly the power of God came on him and his life was changed. And it looks like it started there and it's continued to change his life. Because he says, quoting back in Isaiah 49, In the time of God's favor, he heard me. In the day of salvation, he helped me. And he says, now is that time. Now is that time of God's favor. Now is the day of salvation. In the midst of what we face, there's times in our faith. And I think now is one of those times that we will always remember. What it was like to feel this way. What if it was like to be alone. What it was like to be away from family maybe. To lose our job to not have money, to think that God has abandoned us. Now is one of those times when our faith is called into question. We need to figure out whether we have it, and if we do, we need to figure out what it's doing in us. What God's plan is in the midst of this. What is God's power doing in you? If you don't know what that is, seek it. Ask Him. He will show you. I promise it will be painful to see what he's doing in you. But he will show you. And when he shows you, the next question is, how can we share that? How can we open our hearts to each other when we talk to each other? When we're at church, when we're at coffee, when we're walking in the park, when we're with our spouse or our friend or our family on Zoom, are we opening our hearts to each other? Not withholding affection, but passing on this, this wonderful thing that we've, we've gotten from God. He says, going back to verse 1, as God's fellow workers, that's us. He says, we urge you not to receive God's grace in vain. Don't take it on in an empty way. In fact, it brings fullness. It brings an overflowing of everything that we need to live a life that's honoring to God and a, and, and a life that's 
that's full of peace and joy, regardless of what happens. God's calling on us. He answered our needs 2,000 years ago when he died and rose from the dead. And that faith that we have in that, that act is going to be called into question. Not that it necessarily, that it, whether it exists or not, but what it's doing in us. What's God's power doing in you? Amen. I know we normally take this time of quiet reflection. We've asked the question a lot, but as we pray, as we pray, I I encourage you to ask God, what are you doing in my life? How can you show me what you're doing that I may be blind to? How can you use this period of maybe waiting to reveal something about me that you want to do and change and bring light into, life into. And then uh, Nick will lead us in intercessory prayers. So let's, let's, let's take a, a short time and uh, reflect upon this text. Now we come to a time of prayer and we'll start with the collect for the day. Almighty God, whose Son revealed in signs and miracles the wonders of your saving presence. Renew your people with your heavenly grace, and in all our weakness, sustain us by your mighty power. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who is alive and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. And now, Lord, we turn to praying for our world, Sovereign Lord, we pray for those in leadership and government around the world, especially those governing the countries represented here. Grant wisdom, we pray, to all in authority, that they would seek to ensure justice while showing mercy and foster values that seek to reconcile and build up rather than isolate and put down. We pray specifically for newly elected President Biden, and his administration, and for President Nauseda and Prime Minister Simonaita here in Lithuania. And Lord, we pray also this morning for all those working in the health sector around the world, especially those treating patients with coronavirus. Protect them, Lord. Give them strength and compassion in their work. And for those who have the virus, we pray for your comfort and relief and for your hope and your strength. And Lord, you know that how each one of us has been affected individually by the virus and the lockdown. You know whether we've suffered physically or mentally, whether we've lost work or been overworked, whether we're struggling with loneliness or frustrated in other ways. Lord, grant each of us the ability to fix our eyes on you, remembering that in you we are held safe and that the fleeting trials we experience now are nothing in comparison to the joy that awaits us. Lord, we do pray for all your church around the world to to have this perspective, to being able to fix our eyes on you and on your love, that the trials and the the things that assail us each day would not overwhelm us. 
but rather we would be rocks that show your love in the world. Almighty God, you sent your son to proclaim your kingdom and to teach with authority. Anoint each one of us with the power of your spirit that we too may bring good news to the afflicted and bind up the brokenhearted and proclaim liberty to the captive. May we, by our lives and our speech, put no stumbling block in anyone's path, but rather make your love, the love that held Christ to the cross, known to all. May we be understanding, patient, kind, and sincere in love to all those whom we meet this coming week. But Lord, we know we can't do this alone. We need your help. And we pray you would let the love of the Father course through our veins. Let the goodness of Christ pulse through our bodies and let the power of the Spirit flow through our souls. And let the wonder of God resonate through our minds that we would truly know you as our Lord and our loving Father. All these we ask in the name of your Son, our Saviour, Jesus Christ. Let us say together now, as we bring all our prayers together, the prayer that Christ taught us. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive them that trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory, forever and forever. Amen. As we leave this place, I pray that we all know, not just that we're to figure out what God's doing in our life, but to reflect on what he has done. That God loves you. That God is passionate about your life and about your wellness and about your peace and your joy. And he's proven that on the cross. That no matter what we face, no matter what we're experiencing now, we can all know of the great power and love of God in us, for us, that's shown through through Christ himself. So receive this benediction. May the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. Amen.